Hey everyone, this is Bruce and Crystal Westfield. Welcome to the Marriage Grind Podcast. Welcome everyone. My name is Bruce and I'm Crystal. This is the Marriage Grind Podcast and we want to thank you for your continued support and continually listening to the Marriage Grind. Today we have a special uh, episode for you or a bonus track where we did a recording a few weeks ago. It was on March 14th at Solid Rock Ministries and we were talking about something that we felt was important on doing marriage and relationship God's way. So we, without any further ado, we don't want to take away any time from that. It's a long episode. Just want to give you a heads up, but we're going to go ahead and get you in there. Hope that you get some value and some insight. We'll see you later. Uh, we're honored to be here today. And, uh, you know, the theme of this whole series or this whole event is relationship God's way. And uh, Crystal and I, we were talking about this topic in our time at home. You know, we had a really, really thorough discussion about just us and just the things that we've experienced. And, and also with the couples that we've had an opportunity to be with as well. And we want to share some wisdom with you, with you guys. And our text for today is Matthew chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. That's going to be our anchor verse today. Matthew chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. And uh, I know we all have our own interpretations, our own Translation. translations. So um, I'm going to be reading from the message translation. If you know, don't know what Matthew is, it's in the New Testament. <laughs> just, just, get, just skip Old Testament, bam! New Testament, right there. Right there. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read this text. It says, but Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some, from birth seemingly, never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. Just like Nike. Just do it. What did he say? Do it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now just for your wisdom and your knowledge, your understanding. We thank you, Lord, that you give us revelation. We ask that you would open up our eyes and open up our ears, Lord, to what you are bringing to our attention today. Help us, Lord, to gracefully walk into this season, Lord, and help us, Lord, to be better versions of ourselves so we can continue to add more value to couples and singles. We thank you and honor and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's funny, I read this text and, you know, everybody knows Paul. Paul, he talks in the New Testament about how he wanted to preserve himself and how he never married, you know. He wanted to focus strictly on the gospel. 
And I thought about before Crystal and I got married, I had this 10, 15 year plan. I said, you know, I want to do my Paul thing, you know. I just want to commit myself to God. I just want to do what he's asking me to do. I want to get my finances in order. I want to buy a house. I want to be able to invest in stocks. I want to do all these things. And then as soon as I said that, whoop, he wiped that whole plan out. And he met, I met her. And everything changed. Then I said, Lord, I don't want kids. I just want to build a life with Crystal. Just want to have a nice house and nice couple cars. I had them all planned out in my head, what kind of cars we drive, but where we would live. Two kids. <laughs> Went to Chicago. Not driving the cars I envisioned. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, you really flipped the game on me. You really, what was, what did they say? Uh, Flip the switch. There's a song called Flip the Switch. You know, he really put the switch. But there's something about the wisdom of God. There's something about his long-term plan for us that we sometimes may not understand or get to see or may not get to the full understanding of that it can confuse us, it can make us angry. And that's why when you read this text, it says, but if you're capable of going into the largeness of marriage, do it. Capable of the largeness. Marriage, when we get into marriage, sometimes we can't see where we want to go. All we know is we just, we're with the person we want to be with. But we can't see the future. We don't know the things that we don't know when we get married. You don't know when you move in with them, their mood swings, their personality changes, all the things you got to learn about them when, you know, that time of the month and you're like, I thought you were a nice person. And you're like, what the? Who is this? What the? Hold on. I thought I was getting an angel. We met in church everything. What? everything. You know, all these things. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That's because you didn't, you didn't think about the hormones that came with exactly. the woman. Exactly. <laughs> now... It takes a, a, a whole level of grace. Like It takes a lot of grace to be able to be married and to stay married. There are a lot of people who get married for the wrong reasons because they do it their way. But God is requiring us to go to a whole other level. And that whole other level, it can apply to you personally. It can, it can apply to you when you're single. And it's going to apply to you when you get married. And there's one text that we can reference and go back to that applies to everybody. Right. Yep. Before we move on to that scripture, you know, um, Bruce and I consult lots of couples and singles. And um, for those of you who know, we, we came back to Chicago from doing ministry in San Diego. And we're talking about marriage being for the mature mm-hmm. um, because it, it, brings out a whole other side of you when you're single that that living with a person and thinking about another person and serving another person and and learning how to be in alignment with God that not only that but it it takes away from the time as a single person that mm-hmm. you had with God That's right and so I I was talking um, just the other day to um, 
some a friend of mine, and she, you know, she's she got married, and she's like, oh, I didn't know it was going to take so much. And I said, well, you want kids. That's even another level because, um, and in fact, a, a friend of ours here, she was like, I just, you know, I'm over, I'm over 30. I want to get married. And, but all that time you have with God is then I remember getting married and then having, having babies back to back. And I was like, God, I, I don't even have time to read your word. And I used to break out the concordance and all the translations and everything before we got married years ago. And God said, but the word is in your heart. But the word can't be in your heart when you're going through all that if you're not already preparing, right? If you're not already sowing into that. And so then you get there and you're married and, and you have all this stuff going on and then you're like, okay, now i got to figure out how to adjust, which, you know, that can be difficult. On the flip side, there's things that that marriage can um, produce, like bringing a whole nother level to Christ, that mm-hmm. when you're single, you can't see. We, see. we can see more of Christ, and that's something that God revealed to me. When you get married, he's like, now, when you're going through all those struggles, there was a time when early in our marriage that there were so many struggles. And I'm like, you told me to marry this guy. Like, what in the world? Like, why am I going through this? You told me to marry him. And God's like, so you could see more of me. Because without without that, you couldn't see more of me. So even though, you know, I understand Paul because, you know, he wanted to be single at the same time, God is able to reveal himself more through our marriage and through any marriage because now it's requiring you to seek the face of God even more. And so, yes, it's for the mature, especially because you need to be Christ-centered. You need to be spirit-led because I don't know anybody does it without God. <laughs> you know, because you, you just have to be. We're too human, you know. And so you have to, you have to seek uh, Christ. And so in the spirit, you can mature more. You know, so it's it's not an easy task, but that's what the beauty of it is, is that we can really see Christ more in the relationship if we allow it. Amen. Yeah. And with with that, we're going to move in. Now we can move into the next So one. this does apply to everybody. When, when you're single, even when you're married, this doesn't, it doesn't go away. It, it can't be, it can't be chipped down. It, it applies to everybody. It's uh, Galatians 5, verse 22. And we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is from, uh, I believe this is from the the, uh, New International Version. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let me say it again. Against such, there is what? No law. Nobody is exempt from the fruits of the Spirit. Now, we could focus on all nine of the fruits of the Spirit, but today we're only going to focus on three. We're going to focus on love, long-suffering, and self-control. Love, long-suffering, and self-control. So, how do you do your relationship God's way? Point number one, love your spouse the way God wants you to, rather than the way you want to. Say it again. Love your spouse the way God wants you to, rather than the way you want to. 
1 Corinthians verse uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 4 through 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always prevails. The funny thing I think about is, uh, everybody got a Facebook? Anybody got, okay. I don't, you've probably seen it. You've probably gone on and scrolled, and you've seen somebody putting their spouse on blast. And I think, wow, you really have to be that miserable to put somebody on blast on Facebook. I mean, if I look at the scripture, because I, 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 you can't blame it on me. You can't blame it on Crystal. Blame it on the Bible. Okay? It keeps no record of wrongs. So that means to be able to put somebody on blast, there has to be so many things piled up to get you to that point to make you even take those steps. Okay? Even when I read it, I'm like, wow, they came up with all that stuff. And then you brought your mama in it. You brought your daddy in it. You brought your sister. You brought all your family members in it. And now they hate it. They hate whoever it is that you're married to, man or woman. And now you're causing what? Division? What if you got kids? Now you're going to make them choose a side. Love doesn't require choosing sides. Love means I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that you feel comfortable, loved, valued, appreciated. I'm going to forsake myself to make sure that you have what you need. So when we get around people you don't feel comfortable with, this is just an example, we might have to leave. I'm not going to just because I'm having a good time and you're, not, you're uncomfortable. I'm not going to keep doing my thing just so I can be happy. If you're not happy there, we need to go. But we need to talk about it when we get home. I'm not going to put you on blast in front of everybody at the party. But we need to talk about why you feel uncomfortable. We need to be able to have conversations with our spouse that is progressive towards where God wants us to be versus degressive or where the devil wants to trap us. The devil wants to trap you and make you think just because you feel like this or feel like that, you got to break it up from everybody, make everybody part of your business. Everybody don't need to be in your business. When everybody's in your business, it really shows how much you appreciate your spouse. When you include all your family, girl, let me tell you. Mm-mm. And then they call up so-and-so. Why are you treating so-and-so like that? Oh, 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 look. I'm not doing that to them. I'm not calling them and calling my buddies up and telling them about you. Why you got to tell everybody about me? Now everybody's looking at me with this opinion. And you know how the world looks at opinions. The media. As soon as you say one thing wrong, you can interpret something so many different ways. And people will make a decision on how they may feel about you. We need to do everything we can to protect our spouse and prevent those situations from happening. 
I know you have an example you want to share. Yeah. Um, before I share that example, just this isn't to say we don't we shouldn't keep boundaries. Yeah. Because boundaries are important, and this isn't to say that we should cover the sins of our spouse either. No. Okay. So that doesn't mean don't have a third party interpretate you know um, a third party counsel or anything like that. The right counsel. You know, if if there's a truth teller that somebody can tell you about yourself, like if I were, Bruce and I pretty much will work things out, but if there's anyone that we would call for counsel if they're going through something, they're going to tell us about ourselves first. This is where you are the one, like, hold up, you know how you are, you know? And so then it's like, okay, yeah, okay, not like, oh, you know, if I were to call someone, it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, Bruce, oh, that. No, it's going to be like, well, how did you contribute? In the same way that I counsel other women in their marriage, like, okay, hold up, though. You know how you get, you know, so how are you? Are you blameless? No, come on, let's reel it back, you know, and so working on that. So that doesn't mean cover the sins because then no. you'll have, we, we've worked with people where the wives will cover for the husband so much there, and then it's just the darkness. It's just in the home, and there's no light in there, and that's not good either. That's where the enemy really works. But that doesn't mean telling all your business and just posting it everywhere. And the same thing, love and love, there's also boundaries. So that doesn't mean you just keep on getting, you know, it's just abusive and all of those, you know, things that just happen on. And you could just keep on doing it. No, it's like, okay, we're in it for the long haul, but I'm going to need you to work on that. We're going to do, you know, we're going to work on that. And not keeping record of wrongs means that, as somebody's growing, love allows people to grow. It allow, because what can happen, and what we've seen is in, in marriage, is that people will, one spouse will grow, but then the other one's hanging on to the old them. Mm -hmm. And as they're becoming new creations in Christ, and as they're building in their spirit, then the other spouse is like, no, but you, it's like, well, that's the old me. You know, that's not, we're not talking about yesterday. That doesn't mean you don't, you know, it, it might not come up here and there, but we're not holding it against that person, as especially if they're working on it. Like that's just bitterness. That's not that stuff that doesn't need to be in a marriage because it breaks it down. It doesn't build it up. Amen. Um, oh wait, you're say yeah. Wrong? And I was about to say when we talk about love is patient, love is kind. It's hard to be patient and kind to somebody that's giving you problems. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We didn't grow up with this person. You you know you get married obviously you have to live with them and fill them out and and get to know them and sometimes that can be very challenging you know I believe when Chris and I first got together I was like you know, I'm just going I'm putting it out there man it seemed like every other day she was having tears in her eyes I'm like I don't understand why are you crying because growing up I never saw my mom cry never saw my sister cry. But I'm looking at my but wife. When you met me, I yeah. was like she stone was, cold, she was like strong I was woman. about business. Yeah, she was you strong. Yeah. She was about the business. But then she wasn't that person to right. get in like that. But then we got married. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And because she said, well, you hurt my feelings. I don't understand how I hurt your feelings. You know, this is coming from somebody who, where growing from a background where everybody would say what they would say and they move on with their life. But I had to learn to slow down, and I'm like. Why do I feel like I'm being held back by you? And it's because she's different from any other woman that I've ever had to encounter. Your spouse is going to be different from everybody else that you've ever associated with. 
They're not gonna be like your homies. They're not gonna be like your friend, your, your, your girlfriends. They're not gonna be like your ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends. They're not gonna be like the childhood boyfriend or girlfriend you used to have. You know when you used to give annihilators back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I used to bring my ex-girlfriends annihilators. <laughs> but you get the point. This is the first time I'm ever like, whoa. I'm trading on some unfamiliar territory here. And part of me, I'm getting frustrated. Like, woman, why is it that every time I turn around, you're breaking down? Like, I need to understand. Please, you know, like, when you don't understand something, it leads to frustration. When you have frustration, eventually it's going to lead to anger. And sometimes when you get in that angry place, you start to see things about you that you don't like. And God allows it to happen because it's like, that right there is that's what I'm trying to get rid of. And you didn't see it before, but I'm showing you so you can change it. I'm like, well, Lord, man, what if I don't want to change it? What if what if it's too hard to change? He's like, well, you're going to keep struggling. You're going to keep staying in that place. And your marriage, the call on your marriage is going to continue to be here until you get to that place where you're ready to change it. So I'm like, well, dang. Well, okay. All right. So now... The conversations are, man, what's wrong with you two? Babe, see, I got a little soft now. I said, babe, uh, what's going on? Anything I can do to help? I bring chocolate, dark chocolates home now. You know, I'm stopping at the store. Here you go, babe. You know, the time of the month comes. I'm, you know. It's perimenopause. Here you go. Right. <laughs> you have a hot flat, uh, what you need, a fan. <laughs> and, you know, and there ain't no other man in the house except the two cats. <laughs> so it, I'm just on an island just with all women. I'm like, man, this is, I'm not used to this, God. You really are trying to break me down, you know. I get it. You know, but the whole point of the matter is, is that God is also challenging us through all of the hardships to learn to be patient with our spouse, to learn to be kind because those are attributes that you're going to need to have a successful marriage. And you can't compare your marriage to everybody else. Just because you see, you know, I see it all the time. When you're looking at the other woman and the man's doing this to his woman, rubbing her back, and then the wife's looking at him, you don't do that. <laughs> Well, dang, you don't ask. Well, and it's, it's social media, I'll tell you. We work with so many couples, and then you know we're on social media. You know the ones, actually, in our experience, the ones struggling the most and cutting each, each other down were the ones posting all the pictures of each other, all lovey-dovey. You know how many pictures we post? Check out my Instagram. There ain't that many, and we're doing pretty good. But it's just... But just our experience of people and the ones that, you know, they're like, oh, and they love and I love and blah, 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 blah. And they're just going on and on and posting it on Facebook. But meanwhile, you're seeing us every week and we're giving you tools and you're not able to work through it. But then they're posting it. The problem with that, I don't have a problem with them doing that because it's like, okay, have faith, like believe. But it's then people comparing their relationship mm -hmm. with them. And it's like, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors and when somebody does close the business you don't know what it took to get there mm -hmm. so you may not want that like it it takes a lot you know people would say stuff about bruce and i like you don't know what those first days and god told us to marry each other he told us <laughs> so it's like if you don't know what it looked like you know while 
while he was experiencing me being all extra, you break it down all the time. I grew up with a dad who, after he had kids, after um, we, my I was born, my dad, you know, turned his heart. And so he was saved. And so he would cry. I was used to a dad crying because he was moved by the Holy Spirit. So then I'm looking at him like, what's wrong with you? I had never seen you cry. You must not have the Lord. Like, he's not your Lord and Savior. Like, you don't got no Holy Spirit, no anointing. Like, you're not moving. You know, so I was looking at him the opposite. Like, like what's up with you? Like, I'm you, it's real. Women be looking at their dad, look at their husband, like, you ain't nothing like him. I mean, she was comparing yeah. from the point, like, you, you can't build nothing. I mean, it took me three hours to build a bookshelf. My toolbox is bigger than yours. Like, I mean, she was she was literally like, it took you three hours to build a bookshelf, and you don't even have your own tools. And I'm like, don't talk about me. I have an opportunity to. But guess what? I learned. She's building walls now. I learned. I'm building walls now. Framing like up stuff. Put the bathroom together. You know, but it took time. It took patience. It took understanding. It took kindness from my wife it's not to talk about me like a dog on Facebook <laughs> let the whole world know my husband can't build he don't cry but guess what I cry yeah. I build you know I do those things you know I'm doing things now that I wasn't taught when I was a kid mm-hmm. and it's beautiful because it's it's called evolving it's evolving and we can help each other through that, through love, is how we can help each other grow and mature in Christ. But when we don't have that um, love and when we're not patient and we're not kind with one another and we don't demonstrate that agape love, that's when we can't actually grow. Like like people will say, well, I married him because I saw, I know who he could be. But then you're breaking him down and tearing him down because he's not that, because you're not <laughs> loving through. So I, I have to say, like, I mean, <laughs> he's a strong man because he, when he married me, I have I child development specialist, marriage and family therapist, you know, now <laughs> psychologist, of course now. But so when you're in our home, you know, I have to take like the therapist <laughs> lanyard off, you know, the hat off. So in parenting, because I, I was around kids, I babysat kids from the time I was eight years old babysitting back in the day, you could do that. So, you know, babysitting newborns at eight years old. So I have all that, plus I have the schooling, I have all the background, you know, counseling. So then he doesn't have that much experience. So then trusting my children, this is, this is the flesh talking, trusting my children with this man who got no experience and he won't listen to me. Because he's like, these are my kids. I'm like, you don't got it. Like, that's the flesh, right? The flesh is like, you don't got it. Like, like, but God, he, he don't know nothing. Like, you can't. That's because coming from my extreme to his extreme, that's how it could be in the flesh. And so it would be a lot of fights. I'm like, no, you got it. No, you can't. No, you get it. No. And no. And no, they're not having tablets or computers. And no, they're not having a TV. And no, they're not. No, 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 like, no video games, no this, because the brain and the this and the that, and, you know, like, they're going to be ruined for life, you know, because, but just because I understand what it takes, you know, and so that would be easy. I had to learn, calm it down, Crystal, calm it down, you know, like, he's not going to break them, like, you got them about 85% of the time, they're going to be okay, (laughs) you know, but he's, but with him, I have learned from him 
too, to kind of, you know, things that he does with the kids, there is a learning. I can learn. I don't know everything. It's just because I saw so much, because I've done so much and I've experienced so much, it was me wanting to protect my children. But God can't move in that. So I had to kind of like, okay, let me, as he's learning, let me adjust my approach. Let me, hey, hey, I spend time with the kids. This is what I've noticed, you know. But then our little one's personality is like him and the older one's like me. And so he can teach me some, like he's like, okay, I get her. Hey, she's like this, which on the outside, if I came to your house, I could see it. But because I'm in it, I can't see it as easily. So then I have to say, like, okay, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't approach it that way, but you're right. I'm getting understanding. So I had to, through through love and allowing him to be a dad, right, I had to then, like, okay, maybe if I just calm down a little bit and, you know, let him work and stop holding the reins so tight like a mama bear, then I can. And so it's it worked because he's empowered, and then he also comes to me, too. Where before, he wasn't coming to me, he wasn't coming to me, he was closed off. He's not going to come to me to ask how to pay. He's like, I'm their dad. I can, I know what to do. You know, I'm like, no. And the seat belt, and you don't have the car seat. And then you have to understand the car seat is you got to do it like this. And you have to do it. He's like, I got this. Like, I'm like, no, you don't. The car seat battle is real. Yeah. It's real. Y'all, you women know what I'm talking about. You want to snuggle them in there. It'll move. Man, I'm like, woman, I got it. You got to climb in there. You got to climb on the seat. You got to, you know, I'm like, you didn't do it right. What if you get in a car accident? You know, he's like, stop, don't be in fear, you know. But so through that, I, I had to, I mean, there's so many examples, but that for me, you know, coming from experience plus the professional on top of it, it was a lot to humble myself and to be able to say, okay, he's, he's going to learn these things, but allow God to work through him in that while you, like, calm it down a little, you know, because he's not going to hear me, even if, God speaking to me, he's not going to hear me because he's going to be like, well, I'm going to be quiet. And so, because my approach was wrong. So as I learned how to approach him in love of Christ, not in the love I think, you know, then it, it's changed. Now we're in a whole different place to where we can actually communicate about the kids and he's like, okay, so you think, okay, all right, you think they need that? Before he's like, they don't need that. You know, now I'm like, well, this is why he's like, okay, all right. So it's different. Now the communication is better in that way. Point number two. Long-suffering. Be committed to the process. Marriage is a marathon, not a sprint. Said it again. Be committed to the process. Marriage is a marathon, not a sprint. Verse of scripture we have for that is uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 through 9. And it reads as follows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me say that again. We will reap a harvest if we do not what? Give up. Give up. I, I, I don't enjoy reading Hollywood stories when a couple gets married 
Next thing you know, they've been married 72 days, and then it gets annulled, you know, so it can never show up on the record, you know. But something brought you there. Something brings people together. And it's not just love, it's God. God brings people together. And when he brings people together, it's for purpose. It's for process. It's for a committed, long marathon. You know, I remember hearing about Pastor Ron Cedar's marathon that she ran down in the city. And I think it was like 23 miles, 26 miles. Don't tell me 30. Oh, 13. Okay. I was going to say 30. Okay. First is like more than half a mile is a lot. So she ran 13 miles on a whole Sunday. And then, from my understanding, she walked away like it wasn't nothing. And I'm like, hold up. There was a buildup that had to take place for her to get the 13. I can imagine the runs during the week, on the weekend, the cramps that she got in the leg, the times where she was in the middle of running and maybe she felt like throwing up. The times that we didn't get to see that she was struggling. But guess what? When the day came to run the marathon, she was at her best. She finished the race. She ran it. Me and my little measly one and a half mile. Oh. Lord, what the? What did I sign up for? No, just walk. We used to take walks. I love to take walks. And Bruce would be like, uh... So how long we walk at a mile? We walk at night. We're well, just enjoying. He's like, and then he would look. Remember in Mission Beach? He's like, he sees the mile markers. He's I'm like, looking at the mile markers. Uh, how long? He's like, because you know we got to go back, right? I'm like, I'm like, we're enjoying each other. We're enjoying scenery. He's like, I'm not enjoying the scenery. He's like, how long I got to suffer? That's the thing. It's the it's the whole process. It's the yeah. you know a lot of times we get into something and we mm-hmm. want to look at those marks. Okay, all right, we've we done this, we've done that, we done. What else do we have to do? And you know, as I know, God doesn't always show us the road, man. He just just take the faith, take the step, take that step. If you just take the step, I'll make sure you get on the other side. But He don't tell you how you're gonna get on the other side. And I'm like, Lord, I, I need some assurances. I need some guarantees. And that's that's marriage. You don't have any guarantees that the way you have it envisioned in your head is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, there must have been a few times that night before you went to bed, there was some, I'm looking at you crazy. Why'd you do that? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why did you tell your mom that? Or why are you telling so-and-so this? Or why did you do that to the kids? I just did that. Or You know what I'm talking about. The discussion, the arguments, or you had a bad day and you get home and next thing you know, everybody's feeling your wrath. And you're like, hold up. I don't need to feel that. You need to go work on that energy. And everybody has to feel it. And sometimes some couples might be this close to getting a divorce. And God's like, I didn't tell you to get a divorce. When you got married, this is for the long haul. This ain't no, 
you get married for 72 days and I'm going to it and wipe it out, I'm still honoring the marriage that you went through because you went for the court of law because whatever, because whatever, whatever you legally do, I'm looking at what you're doing. You went at the altar and you got married up with all these people. You signed a legal document that you got married. I'm looking at that. So you can't just say, well, Lord, I don't know what to do with this man. Lord, I don't know what to do with this woman. I'm done. I'm gone. I'm divorcing you. I'm getting out of here. I'm taking the kids. Well, hold up. You're not blameless. What have you done to contribute to the problem? You've been causing this man to go through long suffering or this woman to go through long suffering. You're not an angel. You got a couple things you got to work on and work out. We all didn't. We weren't born in a perfect. You know, we, we you know we were born in sin. And last time I checked, but I know we all been baptized and holy and filled and sanctified and all that. But guess what? You still got things you got to get out. And there's situations that God allows to get worked out, but the situations that you see, it's, it's like warning signs to get out. That's how you, the world sees it. The world sees it as, you know what? I got to protect myself. I got to get out. I messed up. No. God allowed it to happen so he can expose you. Yeah. We don't like to be exposed. We don't like it. That's why I don't read those magazines at the grocery store. You know, when you're at the grocery and you just look into the cashier and you look to the right, you see the, what's that, the extra magazine? So-and-so had this happen to him. I don't want to see all that. That ain't my business. Just like it ain't your business. It's not your business. Whatever you got going on with the Lord, you, you got to work that out with him. He's bringing it up so you can purge it out of you. Because every time you don't work on it, it's going to impact your marriage. It's going to impact your kids. You think generational curses aren't real? They're real. They are real. They are real. Whatever you allow, you authorize. You give the devil legal access to torture you and bother you until you deal with it. Every time. Every day you wake up, there is a decision that you have to make. Am I going to deal with it today? Or am I too tired to deal with it? You don't have time to be tired. God wants you to be obedient. And that's the part of long-suffering that people don't like. Sometimes that season of long-suffering requires you to just be obedient and to keep getting up and to keep running the race. So what? So what they did something that you didn't like a, a month ago? You still holding on to it? The Lord already, he already, he's already moved on. But you still thinking about how they didn't smile at you when they saw you when you walked through the door when, you, when your hair was nice. I just got my hair done. You didn't even notice. Oh, my God. You know I'm telling the truth. I didn't put all this makeup on and you didn't say nothing. You didn't compliment me. Woman, I see you every day. You look beautiful every day. You don't even need makeup. Amen. Woman, you don't even need to get your hair done. You're beautiful. I love you. Amen. But yet, you're going to torture me. You're going you to torture me. You know? I get it. And that's why we have to make an effort 
to always do our best. Even when we're in a season of long suffering. You know, I don't know if you want to add something to that. Babe. Yeah, I'll add an example of um, a couple that went through our premarital class. We counseled, and before they got married, um, the husband had issues with anger. Um, he had some unresolved issues within his family. Um, he had anger issues before they got married. And close to the wedding date, they, it, it was coming to a head. And I remember sitting down with her at Starbucks, and I said to her, because she was like, Crystal, I just, his ain't. I said, I know, and he's working on it. And I said, but you know the wedding's tomorrow, which means today you can decide not to go through with it. I go, you can decide. It might be embarrassing. It might not. But if you feel like God's telling you not to go through with it, don't go through with it. Today. I go, but if you don't, if you go through with that tomorrow, then you need to work it out. You need, you, you're going to have to wait it out. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to, you know, work through it because it's not going to go away after tomorrow just because you got married. Like, it's not. It's going to exacerbate. And she's like, no, Crystal, I feel like I, I said, okay, if you feel like God's telling you to marry him, then and what do you think happened? Crystal has anger issues. I'm like, remember our conversation at Starbucks? You got to wait out. Let's go back to scripture. You know, let's go back. <clears throat> Two years later, what is it? What what continues to happen? She calls me on the phone because now we're in Chicago. Crystal, I know the Bible says long suffering, but how long I got to suffer? I'm like, well, let's talk about how you've been responding to it. I didn't tell you to respond like that. The Bible didn't tell you to respond like that. How long are you going to suffer? You decide how long you're going to suffer. Because you put that on, a lot of it you put on yourself. Because the way that you respond to him, you know is not, all it does is make it worse. Because you think you're right and you don't deserve it. Yeah, but I'm crying. I'm doing like, <laughs> so did I. So did probably most women when they got married. Like, that's just what you, that's just what happened. I'm like, that, because... You're, we're in the flesh, and when we're coming together, and his anger, what is feeling like this, it's doing okay, you, then don't push the button. Don't do that. Love him through it. Work through, you know, the long, a lot of times what happens is that the Bible doesn't say God's going to bring long suffering upon you. It doesn't say that. So where do you think it's coming from? <laughs> Our selfish desires, what we want to do. We want to do what we want to do, and we think we have rights. But the thing is, is that if there's a wrong in the relationship, it doesn't matter who's wrong. There's a wrong in the relationship. There's something off. It doesn't matter. We want to. I mean, I don't know how many times earlier in our marriage that I cried to God because I'm like, but he's wrong, Lord. But he's wrong. And God's like, I don't care. You got to be blameless. Like, you not acting right. Like, it doesn't matter. You. I'm trying to do something in you. Right? God's trying to do something in us. It doesn't matter. So does, does he allow stuff to happen? Yeah. And there's a learning. And a lot of times it's how we respond to our spouse that then turns the heart of the spouse so that they can hear God. If we're just over there and biting people's heads off and fighting and, and coming against them, then how's your spouse going to hear Christ? If if you're more, you know, if you're closer to God and you feel like you're more spiritual spouse or whatever, well, how's your spouse going to hear except through you? So if we're pointing fingers and we're blaming, and, and, and that goes for any relationship. 
It goes for any relationship, for friendships, family, really, anything, really. But then how are we going to hear? Patience has, has anybody ever prayed for patience? I made that mistake about 20 years ago. Guess what? I'm still going, I'm still long suffering. God shows me all kinds of ways, you know. And my mom's like, didn't I tell you not to pray for them? I'm like, no, apparently not. <laughs> I'm like, because I'm still learning 20 years later, you know, to like, okay, all right, patience, that's the process. And and what the problem is, is that we just want to get there. I know, I want to check it, like, okay, Lord, like, give me the list. I'm going to check off those boxes so I can get there. I'm trying to get there. But it's the process is what creates our growth, is what gets us closer to God. And that's the long-suffering, that's the patience with one another. So that time it's like, how long do I have to go through this? How long do you want to keep on acting the way you're acting? How long do you want to keep responding the way you're responding? Make sense? Point number three. <clears throat> this is self-control. This is probably one of my favorite ones. Develop self-control to strengthen your spirit. Develop self-control to strengthen your spirit. A verse of scripture is Proverbs uh, chapter 25, verse 28. It reads as follows. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Anybody ever been to Taco Bell at 3 in the morning? Yes. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. It's not a great idea. It feels good when it's going through you, when it's going from the mouth into the stomach, but in the morning, probably not a great idea. You definitely regret it. I've had my moments where I've had Taco Bell in the past. And I'm like, man, I knew it. I messed up. I knew I shouldn't have had it. But it was the only thing open this late. And I was hungry. And I'm paying the price. Paying the price. That's how self-control is. You know what you should do. You know how you should act. You know how you should treat people. But because you can't control yourself, you respond the wrong way. You do things the wrong way. I uh, want to share a story with you. I remember one time Crystal and I were driving. And <laughs> she was driving, actually. This is back when she had this old white Corolla. I used to have a song cord when I would drive to work. Because every day when I would have to use it to go to work, I would let people know I had it by the song. And they would laugh. But... Uh, this particular day, she was driving me to the barbershop, and she was telling me something. I forgot what we were talking about. I was so mad. I was like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, I was so mad. I, I couldn't control myself, right? I got, I opened the car door. We were at a red light. Got out the car door. Opened it up. Looked at her. Fuck you. And I walked to the barbershop. And she was like, no, we actually stopped in like a 7-Eleven or something. No, no, we no, 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 no. We wasn't talking about it. Oh, it must have been a different one. Oh, it must no. have been two times. Yo. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Because I remember sitting there like, he's seriously like, go, go home, go. We were, 
literally like the the the, the first couple years were crazy right. you know and we leave the marriage ministry at the church you know what i'm saying and i'm like i'm not tolerating this today i ain't got time for this you know you know when you get to that breaking point where you done with you done i was done and well, it didn't take much back then it didn't it didn't it take much it was like it, be like it, two minutes two minutes <laughs> In fact, because he would stir himself up, I would just be—I wouldn't say nothing. In fact, we were—we were actually. This is—this is exactly what happened. She said something, and then I'm talking, and then I—I'm silent. Then I start stirring myself up again, talking, and I'm like, she's like, wait a minute, you still talking? I'm still talking, and I—and I'm mad at the fact that you even bring up the fact that I'm still talking. So don't be trying to come at me like that. And then it got to a point. I said, you know, I'm out. I'm out. What you still doing here? Go. Go home. I walk to the barbershop, y'all. I, and I get to the barbershop, everybody's like, hey, what's up, Bruce? I'm like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> sweating. Sweating it off. And then, and then I had to ask my friend, hey, man, can you take me home? Because I had to pay for my actions. I walked to the barbershop, created a situation. I don't have a ride home. Now I gotta humble myself to ask for help. Can you take the brother home? Then when I get home, uh, uh, babe, um, I don't even know. I think it took a while. It took a while. Yeah, I don't think. Back in the day, he he it would take a day or two yeah, to even get a babe. But now, oh, it's automatic, babe. I'm sorry, you know, because I already know. Sometimes I can cut up. You know, you can cut up. Yeah. Don't be acting like that. No, I know. <laughs> don't act like you don't cut up. These days, when I cut up, I'm like, yo, I know I'm tripping today. I'm tripping. And I know I need to get right. Lord, help me. And that's the first person I see, Lord, I, I need your help today. You know how jacked I am. I, I cannot leave, do what I'm doing and go a day without asking for forgiveness. Because too many people depend on my consistency. Yeah, yeah. Let me say it again. Too many people depend on my consistency. There are people that depend on your consistency, and your self control can get in the way of you being consistent. Let me say it again. Consistency is the key. People depend on you every day to be who you're supposed to be. Whoever you called to be, whatever God has called you to be, it, 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 it requires consistency. So anything that is outside the character of who you're supposed to be, it needs to change. So that's why self-control is so important, because if you don't have it, you'll let anything stir you up. You'll let everything stir you up. If it's raining, man, I, 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 Self-control. Yeah. These days, it don't take. It takes a lot to get me to that point. I now what I do, I do this. I listen to people. I let them talk. I let them. I let them talk. I don't cut them off no more. I control myself. I don't like something somebody saying. Yeah. Okay. And then I ask questions now. Before I didn't ask questions. Why? Because I'm seeking to get understanding. I'm not allowing my emotions to control me anymore. And if I do, guess what I do? I repent and move on. Amen. 
I don't need to have condemnation on what I used to be or how I used to be. I need to operate in who God has required me to be. And if that means I need to be better than yesterday, then I'm going to be better than yesterday. If that means I don't like something my kids are doing, because, you know, my youngest, she can take me there. I'm like, man, did she really do that? She's strong. She drives. She'll say, Daddy, she'll get something and she'll have some food and she'll drop it on the ground. I'm like, Help you pick She's that also up. a ninja warrior princess, so it's hard for her to just walk. <laughs> exactly. She gotta do extra stuff. Testing my self control. Testing my you know We're how, teaching her, man. we're trying to teach her self control. Man. She's little. She's six year old. So we're trying to teach her self control. It's not easy with six year old. But I'll give a nugget too because when he was talking about how, how he would stir him I mean that was a daily occurrence. That was you know. But you ever heard, this is pretty uh, social norm thing to say for marriage, don't go to bed angry. Here's the mistake, and it's usually women that make that. Yes, I agree with don't go to bed angry because you need to be at peace. But see, what I would make peace with God, he probably went to bed angry, but I didn't. I was like, I already forgave. So by the time he came to me, I'm like, I forgave you two days ago. Like, I was like, I moved on with my life. You know, but he was still doing things. The problem that it's usually women um, make is that when we want to talk about it, you ever try to have a discussion at midnight because you don't want to go to bed angry? It don't work. It doesn't work. There's not a whole lot of love happening there. So this is where long suffering come in because you want to have discussion at because you don't want to go to bed angry. No, don't go to bed angry because you make peace and you forgive. That's not have a conversation at 10, 11, 12, 2 in the morning. That's not it. It's just like, okay, so I would make, like, okay. I remember he would go, there was a couple of times he went on the couch. I'm like, well, I'll have beds to myself. I'm going to sleep good. You know, like, I'll make peace. Like, I'm not mad you went to the couch. I'm like, all bed. You know, but I, I had to, you know, just say, okay, well, I'm going to make peace. So by the time he came to me, I didn't have any complaints because I'm already in that place. The problem is that then, the person humbles themselves finally, and then they come, and then you want to throw everything else out there, and then it just continues. It just continues. The beautiful part of being that we were leading marriage ministry is that every week we're teaching a class, which means we got to be right. We got to be right because now we have to. We, there's no anointing going to flow when there's when we're trying to teach a marriage class, and then we got a problem in our marriage. So it required us. A lot of times people don't want to be in ministry because you need things right in your home, but allow it to create, because we had to qualify, re-qualify every week. When you're doing ministry, you have to re-qualify every time, every day. You have to re-qualify to speak into the lives of people. That Allow that to work in you to then get it right in your life, in your relationships, because it's not not an excuse, but a reason Mm -hmm. to get things right, because then you'll call up and say, okay, now the anointing can flow. Now we have a reason that we can stand and we can sit up here because we work through it. Not because we don't have problems. I mean, you know, we you would think everything would be good, especially with my background. You think, oh, no, we got to like twice as hard, you know, and so we have to get it right. Otherwise, we have no business trying to help other people. Right. And so you have to use that opportunity to then become better, not an excuse to not do something. No trial, no testimony. Yeah. 
So it is again, no trial, no testimony. This is the, uh, we're wrapping it up, mm -hmm. but uh, this is the last point, point number one of how to create unity in your marriage. Focus on the call on your marriage. I'll say it again, focus on the call on your marriage. When you get together, you should know why you're together. You know God has called your marriage for something. Sometimes you might not know, it might take a while to know, but having the right ingredients, the right things to do, it's going to help reveal it. God's going to bring it eventually. But once he reveals it, you got to focus on it. And it's going to require unity on both of your parts. The verse of scripture that we want to use is uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. And it reads as follows. As a prisoner of the, for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is nothing like being at peace in your marriage. There's nothing like having unity in your marriage. When you have unity and peace, things don't bother you as much as the way they used to. In fact, the house could be burning down. Everybody in the neighborhood could be going crazy. And you look at your spouse like, everything is well. Let's, let's proceed as follows. Let's go do our thing. Because when you know that who, when you know who you serve, and you know you're doing it with the other person, and you're doing it together, there's a whole other level that you're operating at. Because when the world is panicking, like now, everybody's, oh, I don't know what we're gonna do. Her and I, we've been like, this is what we're doing, and we're at peace with our decisions. I don't make a decision without Crystal. I don't go do my own thing. I used to. I saw where that got me. <laughs> it got me in trouble. But when I asked Crystal, what do you think about this? How do you want to proceed with this? It creates unity. It creates a bond. And it gives her the confidence to know that even if things are going wrong, I know he's always going to be at peace and in unity with me so we can do this thing together. You don't get married to live alone. You don't get married to be single. You don't get married to do your own thing. You get married because you know you can't live without this person. You know you can't fulfill the call on your life without this person. Simple as that. I cannot fulfill. Let me tell you this. Before we got married, I remember Facebook has this thing of reminding you of what you used to say back in the day. It's called the, the you know the timeline reminders, right? You know, I got this reminder from years. I was like, I remember I said that. Oh, right before we got married, I said I'm gonna do well in business. I'm gonna talk about business. I'm gonna talk about marriage. I'm gonna talk about this. And I was like, dang, I was really ambitious before we got married. But we doing it together. I'm not doing it by myself. I was prophesying. I didn't know it. But I'm not doing it by myself. 
God put it in my spirit. He put it in my heart to do it. But he didn't put it in my heart and my spirit to do it by myself. He gave me a partner who was set apart. Just like he did with Adam. He didn't know he was alone. But he was just working, doing his thing. And guess what? He woke up one day and a woman appeared. And he recognized, I can't live without this woman. I need to go and do whatever it is, whatever I'm supposed to feel on this earth, I'm supposed to do with this person. Whoever your person is, you have to ask yourself every day when you wake up in the morning, what am I doing independently that I'm supposed to be doing with this person? And if you are doing it just so you can look good and you selfishly want to hold on to it, it's because of the one thing that holds on to your identity as an independent person. You have to ask yourself, what do I need to change, Lord? And you can't ask the question if you don't really want the answer. Let me say it again. You cannot ask the question if you don't want the answer. So when you ask the question, well, I even ask, I even tell you this. Prepare yourself, Lord. Prepare my heart for whatever questions may come as far as <laughs> Because I don't even know sometimes the things I won't even do. Because how many times have we done something and we haven't fully investigated what it is going to require of us? I know in the back I see you. I see you in the back. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is this. When you get married, and for those who are married right now, you know this is going to require a whole other level of interdependency on you and your wife, or on your husband. We can't be independent anymore. You gave up that right when you got married. That right to be independent is gone. Now the Lord is looking at you as a couple. He's looking at you as one. He said the two shall become what? One. And a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his what? His wife. He didn't say cling to his buddies. He didn't say cling to his mama. So why are you going to your mom every time you got problems? Why are you going to somebody else's couch when you got problems? You're not supposed to. Go work that junk out. Get it right. Focus on the call and the purpose on your marriage. The Lord will bless you. He will bless you for enduring. Many endure for a night, but what? Joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes that morning may take five years, but keep working at it. Like we were talking about, um, do you guys remember the um, recession back in 2008, yeah. I don't remember. Um, back then, right? Everybody was in panic. You know, people in panic right now. Everybody was in panic and hysteria and all that. And as a couple, we were like, People would say, you know, we we didn't go to church. Like, and recession, we're like, we're not in a recession. We agreed together. We're not in a recession. And we were just talking about this. And you know what happened when we weren't in a recession? The bills that we had come into the marriage with, with all got paid off. When we, weren't, when we weren't in a recession, when everybody else was, Bruce got another job. And not only did he get, you got, what, two promotions during that recession? Three promotions. Three promotions during the recession because as a couple, we were in agreement. And I believe there was the power in that because God was in the midst of that. And we came together and we're like, we're not. Now, it's about finances. No, it's about the power that can be. And we agree that we're not. Just like we're in agreement right now and 
we're our kids don't know. They're like, we got three days off. We got three weeks off of school. Cool. I'm like, gang, hey, we're 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 working on homeschool, so you know what it's like because we've talked about it. So we're gonna practice that. They're like, okay. Like they're just like, cool. Um, you know, and we're like, okay, it's not. We're not in a epidemic pandemic. Like, okay, the world is. That's right. We're not. We're not. We're we're not of the world. So we're not, hey. and we're together. So it's okay. And now, can it impact? Is it impacting businesses? It is. Can it impact our family? It can, but it's not going to touch us the way it's touching the rest of the world, and we're in agreement with that. So when you come in agreement with your spouse, that is powerful, and we've seen it work. We've seen it, we've seen it work in amazing ways in our family, and so that's the, the power of coming together with your spouse and agreeing in the midst of Christ, like, okay, we're good, and nothing can touch you. That's why he was saying, like, the house could burn down. Like, of course, it's not going to feel good, but the point is, is that when you're together, it's like, no, they can touch us because we're here. We're a powerful unit. And together we can do. We can get through anything. I'd like for us to go ahead and close in a, in a word of prayer. Let us uh, bow our heads. Father, we just thank you just so much just for putting it in our hearts, Lord, and opening up our hearts and our spirits yes. to work on the fruits of the spirit of love, long-suffering, and self-control, and focusing on the call that you put on our marriage, or even as a single person, being focused on where you are taking us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would put the right people around us to continue to encourage and build and strengthen us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that anything that is causing our marriage to not be where it's supposed to be, whether it's people, circumstances, situations, I pray, Lord, that you would cause those things to either go away or to help us, Lord, to be able to overcome those circumstances and situations. I pray, Lord, that you would, through your word, strengthen and build us up and help us, Lord, in this largeness that you call marriage to give us grace and mercy and to be able to walk in love and kindness so we can continue to do what you called us to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.